Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Man, I hope you've had a good time of worship just like I had. Very different. Not really what I want to be doing, but hey, let, let's be positive here. Hey, if I could just for a moment, I, I want to say something to our, our kids. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm imagining there in the living room, there's, there's a few devices, uh, that some children are sitting on the other side of. And, uh, I just want you to know I have said a special prayer just for you and the, and the kids, of, of our church. I know this is kind of a scary time and maybe maybe you're watching mom and dad go through some scary times and tough decisions and you're you're kind of wondering what's happening. I, I want you to know God loves you. God has a plan for you. God knows right where you are in the midst of this. There's so many Bible stories where we read about an adult, a, a Moses, a David, a, a Jesus, a Paul, and we don't always understand that in all of those stories, there's children there. Can you imagine Moses leading the Israelites through the Red Sea? I mean, these high walls of water on each side. I mean, on one hand, I think it would be really exciting, but it'd be kind of scary too. You kind of, you kind of wonder, is this water going to come crashing in? And of course, on the other side or right behind them is the enemy. People's chasing them, people who want to hurt them. And moms and dads would have been crying and screaming and scooping up their children. And, and boy, as children, and we get we get a little nervous when we see all of that happening but you know what in the same way that god delivered those moms and dads he delivered those 2 year olds those 4 year olds those 9 year olds god loves children as a matter of fact kind of what's natural right now is for kids to look to mom and dad to kind of get some answers at what's going on but do you know that jesus actually looked to your mom and dad and said hey you need to be like your child. You need to have the faith of a child. Did you know that Jesus actually applauds you right now? Your prayers and your faith and tells us big people to look at you guys. So again, just want you to know God loves you so much. He knows He knows it's a scary time and, and he cares for you. And man, it has been a scary time. I mean, the bad news. I, I, the title of my message today is Living in, in Bad News because that's, that's about all we're getting right now. We get bad news. We wake up the next day. It's, it's worse news. And then what do we do? Well, we, we have to change things, cancel things. Things are disrupted. Things are different. And so I, you, we go and make all of these changes. And then, and then what? We wake up to more bad news that made my changes not enough, <laughs> that made the changes wrong. I mean, this is just overwhelming. But here's the funny thing, and there's not much funny right now. Bad news is not news. There, there's never been a day on planet Earth where there hasn't been bad news. You, you know what is kind of new? Is we've got nowhere to run from it. We've got nowhere where we can pretend it's not out there. I mean, th- think about where you go when you're dealing with a bad week, a bad day, bad news. I mean, I'm assuming a lot of us watching here right now, well, well we would go to church, wouldn't we? No, canceled. Okay, well, let's, uh, hey, let's do this. Let's go catch a game. That's a good way to, un- nope, that's been called off too. Okay, well, um, oh, hey, let's go get a movie. Man, a popcorn and a Coke right now. Nope, nope, close. That's not going to happen. Well, surely we can go somewhere, sit down, have a cup of coffee and maybe a nice meal. Nope, called off, canceled. You can't go there either. I mean, folks, we have nowhere 
to run from this bad news. And that really does add to this feeling of getting pummeled by bad news. You know, when I think, and I'm guessing a lot of you already might know where I'm going, when I think of somebody getting pummeled by bad news, it's it's hard not to have your mind run right away to Job. And I'm not even talking about the whole story of Job, just the first day, just, just the beginning of that story where he is getting pummeled by bad news. You know, I think Job has something for you and me today, right where we are and what we're dealing. And I'm not, I'm not talking about what we normally talk about when we look at Job, you know, suffering and, and dealing with it. I, I think Job has something very specific for the context that we're in, what you're dealing with in your home right now. Let's look at that, okay? Let's look at Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. I hope you have a, a Bible nearby there, and you'll find Job right before the Psalms. If you can kind of open the middle of your Bible and find the Psalms, Job is one book right before that. Job chapter 1, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 13. Job 1, verse 13. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabaeans raided us. They stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger. Now, at this point, I think I'd have said, okay, no more messengers. A third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels, killed your servants, I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another, yeah, we're on, we're on bad news number four here. Another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed. All your children are dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Job stood up, tore his robe in grief, then he shaved his head and he fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I'll be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Bless the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. You know, I'm not sure a movie, a game, a good meal could have helped anybody hide from that amount of bad news in one day. You know, if you're familiar with the story of Job and you noticed I picked up at verse 13, well, the first 12 verses are just a little bit important. As a matter of fact, it's in the first 12 verses that we get the backstory to what is going on. We know where God is. We know what he is doing. We know why all of this is happening. And because of that, you and I as the reader are probably not thrown off our rocker too much as we get to verse 13 and all of the news that's going to follow. Bad news isn't impacted as much when you know the the backstory. Hey, wait a minute. Did, Did I just say something there? So, 
So if you know where God is and you know what he's doing and yet you have an idea about why, then bad news won't impact you as much. Hey, would that, would that be something like walking by faith and not by sight? Uh, that sounds too hard right now. Let's just move on. Okay, so Job, Job does not have the first 12 verses. Job does not know the backstory of what God is doing, where he is, why this is happening. All, all Job knows is that it's just one bad news event after another. He, he clearly is having an, an unimaginably bad day. And he says this. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Bless the name of the Lord. Now, I'll be honest with you. I can't, maybe you can't. I can't imagine a greater faith response, not to bad news, like right in the middle of bad news. While it is happening, while it is coming, you're able to come out with that. Now, we need to understand that line. We need to think about that line a little bit. What What is actually the faith he just expressed in that line? Because there's a couple of ways we might hear that line. Like, like somebody could hear, somebody could hear it like this. Hey, God gives, God takes away. Deal with it. Now, I, I just said that kind of in a rough way. You're probably not assuming that's what I think is saying here. But you know what? I, I actually would not run away from that understanding of that line too quickly because folks there actually is kind of an idea that hey God's God he gets to do what he wants we have to deal with it I I mean there 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 is some truth to that and of course here's our faith God whatever God is doing he's always operating from an absolute purity of truth of love of righteousness of justice we've never operated from that not a not a pure justice pure truth pure righteousness but folks at the end of the day God is God he, he can do what he wants now If you and I are having a discussion over coffee, if we're kind of debating theological ideas over coffee, you might say, hey, God's God, he can do what he wants. But you probably in that moment don't follow it up with, bless the name of the Lord. I think it would be even more difficult. Maybe it's true. God's God, he can do what he wants. But right in the middle of the bad news to think that thought and then say, bless the name of the Lord, that doesn't seem very natural. Maybe appropriate, but not natural. So, you know, I don't think that's actually what Job is communicating there. If, if I could uh, take that line and blow it up a little bit, I, I think this is what we would hear Job saying. And when I say I think, I'm not just imagining for Job. I'm, I'm saying this based on what the book of Job is going to teach us. I'm, I'm saying this based on what the scripture teaches us. I think what Job just said in that simple line would sound more like this. You know, sometimes, man, I I, I look around and I just, I see God giving and blessing and I'm so overwhelmed by the richness of life and what God and his goodness has given me. And you know what? Sometimes, to be honest, I'm overwhelmed with the bad and the difficulties and the wrongs and I've, I've come to the end of some days and the end of some situations feeling like nothing but a total loss. I, I can't always connect the, God, the, the dots of what God is doing. I, 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 I can't always make sense of why something is happening or where he is. But, but you know what? I know this. 
I know whatever God is doing, it's being driven by his love. I know that whatever God is doing, he's going to fulfill his purpose for me. So for that alone, bless the name of the Lord. Should that be a response you and I have to the coronavirus? Should that be a response you and I have with the difficulties that we have? You know, I'm, I might actually suggest that you and I have much more than Job had, much more knowledge of God, much more understanding of God. We, we have the Bible. Job didn't have the Bible. As a matter of fact, did you know that, that Job is the first book written in the Bible? Yeah, you found it here in the middle, but chronologically, historically speaking, Job is the first book written of the Bible. So I know Job didn't have Psalm 57 too. He said, well, what's Psalm 57 too? Oh, I love that when it says, I cry out to God most high, God who will fulfill his purpose for me. That's a promise. God will fulfill. There's no event. There's no circumstances. There's nothing going on that means what God is doing in your life is now undone. That, that what God was doing in your life is now a mess and can't be recovered. God has a purpose for you. As a matter of fact, God is, is the most amazing. He is the original multitasker. Because right now, God has a purpose for what is going on in the world. He has a purpose for what's going on in the United States. And while he's running those big picture, those big purposes, God has a purpose for you. Whatever this is meaning in your life, whatever this is doing in your life, whatever this is doing in your children's lives, hey, God has a purpose in all that, very specific for each one. Did did Job understand all that? I don't don't know, but I know that you and I should because we have the scriptures. Romans 8, 28, and we know. Oh gosh, I love those words. We know, do we? Do we know? Do we know our Bible? Have we anchored our faith to the Bible at times like this? And we know that for those who love God, all things, all viruses, all, all, all disruptions, all difficulties, all things are working together for good. Doesn't say it works out good. It's working for the good. And what's the good? The purpose that God is bringing about in this world, in our nation, in you. There is nothing happening that is undoing the good work God wants to do in your life. That, that is the faith that we hold on to right now. That is the faith that we have right now. So here's the beauty of our hope. The scripture actually tells us that one day, now I would assume that that one day is in eternity. I think sometimes it can happen in this life, but one day we are going to be able to connect the dots. One day in that situation, in that moment, in that difficulty, in that relationship, one day we are going to see what God was doing, where he is, why all that was happening, and the conclusion of that matter, when you're able to see what all was going on, the conclusion will be, bless the name of the Lord. Now, you know what's so incredible about Job? Is he had the faith to not wait till one day. He had the faith to just go ahead right now and say, bless 
the name of the Lord. I, I find that so inspiring, but it's challenging. I mean, that's, that's a neat thing to think about on Sunday morning with my, my Bible open, but can I, can I think about that when the bad news is coming? Can I think about that when I'm in an argument, a, a, a disagreement? You, you know, there's more than one response we tend to. Job's, that's a challenging, inspiring response. Bless the name of the Lord. I think maybe what's more natural for us is Peter's response. Peter, the, the apostle. So Jesus, Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8. Jesus and the disciples. Now, there's 12 disciples in Jesus. That's 13. So that, that group has been banned. They can't walk down the country road. But the ban wasn't in place yet in Mark chapter 8. So the, the 13 of them are... They're walking down the road. It's, it's, it's out on the countryside. They're alone. And Jesus says, hey, uh, who are people saying I am? What, what, what are you hearing? And they are hearing. I mean, you know, they're, they're out there among the crowds. They're running by the coffee shop, the deli, and hearing what, what people are saying after the big crowd just broke up from listening to Jesus preach. And, and so they know, they know what the word on the street is. And and they tell Jesus, well, some people this, and some people say you're that, and there's these thoughts running. And so then Jesus turns it on them, and he says, who do you say I am? And, and Peter jumps right in, which Peter always jumps right in. He's always got an answer, and it's usually going to be very right or very wrong, but he's going to have an answer, and, and, and Peter right there jumps in and says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Man, boom, (laughs) nailed it, two points for Peter. And so now that that's hanging in the air, that idea is in everybody's mind right there, that little group of 13 walking down the road. Jesus said, okay, I want to tell you about what God the Father's purpose is for me, God the Son. And for the first time since this group has been formed, Jesus tells them about the cross and what's going to happen when they get to Jerusalem? What, what, what's going to happen to Jesus? Which Peter heard as really bad news, really life-changing bad news. And so Peter rebukes Jesus. Now, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. How can I believe that you're God and then turn right around and rebuke you? Oh, it's actually pretty simple. I've always read that passage so many times and thought, Peter, how do you do that? But, I mean, gosh, that's what we all do, isn't it? I mean, hey, when you think about what Peter just heard, hey, I can't see God in that. I don't understand what God could be doing in that. Hey, I'm not sure I like what God is doing in that. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to rebuke God. I mean, when I can't see it, when I don't understand it, when I don't like it, hey, I, you tell me God has a purpose in all this. Well, I don't like his purpose. So what are we going to do? We're, we're going to rebuke God. Now, before we just see that as option number two, you might want to see how Jesus then responded to Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan. You don't have your eyes on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now, I'm pretty sure most of us would understand from scripture that Peter's like a really close friend of Jesus and he just called him Satan. So I'm guessing option number two is not a go. (laughs) We we don't want to go with option number two because the option number two is evidence that I'm on the path of Satan. My eyes are focused on the things of the world, the agenda of the world, the purpose of the world, my agenda, my purposes, and and that's going to put me on the path of Satan. But when I say, bless the name of the Lord, 
You know what that does? That just immediately lifts my eyes up and I can now help focus on God, on his love, on his purpose. And it's kind of circular because as I do that, it becomes now more natural, more easy to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. So when you turn off the bad news and go to bed, say, blessed be the name of the Lord. When you get laid off, say, blessed be the name of the Lord. When you get the virus, say, blessed be the name of the Lord. When you're dealing with the aggravation and the difficulties and the disagreements about how we're to handle all this, say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Folks, I'm not suggesting that those are magic words. You say them and everything gets better. No, I, I, I think it's quite possible that when you say, blessed be the name of the Lord, you could still make a wrong decision in response to the bad news. But what instantly happens when you say bless the name of the Lord is you refocus. See, my my nature is to put my focus on what's going on around me, what the purpose is, what the, what the responses are around me. And that just keeps me on the path of Satan. And the only problem with the path of Satan is the path of Satan only has bad news. It, it never goes anywhere but worse and worse news until what? Until finally we land in hell for all eternity. The worst news of all. I, I don't want to be on a, on a path that only has bad news. So I want to be able to choose the path of God. And when we say blessed be the name of the Lord, we've just increased our chances. We're going to put our focus on him. So uh, last weekend... And the, and the Thursday and Friday leading up to that, our home, just like your home, was reeling from all this news, having to quit, move quickly to make changes, and what about this, and what are we going to do here? I, I hadn't even mentioned this in these last two weeks, but uh, the, the trip that Karen and I were leading from the church to Israel, we're leaving tomorrow. Uh, should have said we're leaving tomorrow, canceled. But, uh, you know, that's what we're doing. I mean, we're, we're adjusting to all this that is going on. I, I had one son, he hears the news and, and hears from the military. And so then he makes a bunch of plans and changes. He, he has to cancel some things. He gets a, 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 makes travel arrangements over here. And literally, not even the next day, literally a couple of hours later, the news got a little worse. The military, military made another mandate that made all of the things he just did wrong. So now all that had to be undone. So our home, like your home, I mean, we're going in every direction. Everything we're doing is proving to be wrong. We got to redo it. We're, we've got this bad news. And so what happens? Our stress goes up, uh, you, you know, and we're a little anxious. And what happens? The words are coming a little quicker. <laughs> the words are a little sharper. There's, you know, some disagreement on some things. There's some grumbling. Gosh, it, it would have been amazing if in that moment right there, just one person in our house, I wish it would have been me, but it wasn't. If just one person could have said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Would that have made the problem go away? No, no it would not have, but it would have instantly helped us refocus, change our help us change our perspective, our understanding of the situation, change our perspective, our understanding of the people around me. Blessed be the name of the Lord is a powerful faith statement. It does not mean the problem is gone. It does remind me that neither is God. He's not gone either. He's right here with me. My very present help in the time of trouble.
Folks, as we hear bad news, and I'm, I'm guessing, like you, I assume that we're, we've got more to come. As we hear bad news, we're going to respond. Everybody's going to respond. There's always a response to news. We're choosing a path in our response. We're, we're choosing God's path or we're choosing Satan's path. Every choice is a choice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for each of us the strength. I pray for us the faith to be able to say, bless the name of the Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, have a little challenge for you this week. See every day how many times and in response to how many things you can say, bless the name of the Lord. See how many times you can say that as an individual. See how many times you can say that as a family. And hey, let's, let's see what it does. Amen. We'll see you guys next week.